I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall. I'm your host, Monica Hall, the Alumni Director at Emory & Henry. And as I think most people know about this show now, what we do is we sit down with an alum of Emory & Henry. We pretend like we're sitting on the real Duck Pond Wall and catching up on the news. Our, my guest today is Chris Epperly. Chris, do you remember sitting on the Duck Pond Wall? I had a lot of memories of sitting on the pond wall. Yes, I loved it. And now that I come back, it's all the upgrades have been done. And now I'm like jealous. It's amazing. Right? Right? I know. So what did you do when you sat on the duck pond wall? If I, if I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I didn't take in uh, adult beverages, uh, if I had to say that openly. But Is that um, legal? I don't think that's I, I don't think do so. That I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, that was, uh, it was always a popular meetup spot post- football practice post dinner and we could always be walking back through campus and so we'd always swing by and it's always like a good good happy medium spot to catch up i love that i love that i also love that you're wearing your emory and henry hat today thank you I am, yeah that. so All chris right. epperly tell everybody when you were at emory and henry and what you did when you were here yeah, so I uh, I came to Emory um, at a little bit different path. Um, I went to Ferrum my first year before transferring into Emory my second year. So I got um, in Emory at in '98 and finished in 2001. But I had a stint where I stayed an extra semester. So by technical terms, I finished in '02. During my time, I was a communications major, history minor, and I, um, in addition, I played football and got a great opportunity in playing with the great Lou Wacker and Fred Self and being part of some historical moments uh, on the Henry and Henry campus. So, uh, Well, I, historical I, indeed, because didn't you just get inducted into the Emory and Henry Sports Hall of Fame? You've been doing your homework. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, extremely grateful. Um, this past summer was inducted with a great class. Um, a lot of people that I recognize, but unfamiliar with. So we're broad and we're diverse and in our um, uh, choices for for actually the Hall of Fame class. So yeah, this was this past summer was exciting. My daughter was probably more exciting than I was. She had never <laughs> been up there to experience it. And, and so Having her there to to be on campus and and go through the the actual ceremony, she was excited as well as I. So yeah, it's been a great time. That's awesome. Well, you know, I should have known that you were a communications major because that is actually played seems to be playing in mightily into what you're doing now. This project that you're doing or this work that you're doing. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't know about it until your friends ratted you out and said, do you all know what Chris Epperly is doing? And I said, no, tell me. So is this, this is your company, right? This, your, this is your company. It, it is not my company. No, I work for a company um, and have been for, for, for the past five years, but working within the event industry for the past uh -huh. 20 years, largely. 20 years. So, yeah. Yeah. So once I finished Emory, I moved to Charlotte. Um, spent a small year doing some sales background stuff. I needed money, right? And so sure. I moved to Charlotte with a with another Emory Henry alum as well, Ashley Rothwell. And he and I um, ventured out in this world of Charlotte, and I made some connections and relationships. And very shortly thereafter, ran into this beyond great opportunity to go back and be an intern of all things. Um, for a global sports marketing company called Octagon Marketing. Um, they were the partner to then Nextel, who owned the sporting rights and the sponsorship rights in NASCAR. Oh, my. So in a small Emory world, 
I walked into this internship opportunity where a group of 12 people had been selected of all the applicants in the world, right? Yeah. I walk into there and walk into the meeting, sit down and look to my left. And there's Emory and Henry alum, Sarah Bundy. And we're sitting right <laughs> beside each other and we're going, holy crap. How did we get selected of all, of all these people to go and do this internship? So Sarah and I have great connections and stayed in touch thick and through because she's still in that in, in that sports and entertainment world as well. So 20 years later, we still talk about that story of walking in and seeing each other. So 20 years ago, I, I, I ventured into an internship and took a year off from really working and going into this internship world where I traveled the world of NASCAR and did not know anything about it, um, was intrigued, loved sports for obvious reasons, trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. And then part of that uncovering process, I learned a lot about what it takes to produce an event through that channel and right. be behind the scenes. So a year after that, I was offered an opportunity to go work for J. Howard Events, which is now currently CSM Production Group, where I was employee number 13 of a small production company who traveled in NASCAR producing events uh -huh. and was there for like 10 plus years. We helped grow the company. We helped build it, starting the foundations. We didn't even have like an accounting department. We had oh, like uh. nothing. We were just trying to figure it out, but we were yeah. doing good work with good people. So my grassroots sort of introduction to events was working for a company, traveling in the world of NASCAR, doing a lot of their experiential marketing, traveling tours, building B2B programs, B2C programs for some of these large sponsors. Yeah. And in addition to that, sort of bringing to life what happens on the racetrack. So we were tasked with like the flyovers, the national anthem, the driver introductions, think Super Bowl pageantry kind of things. Yeah. Um, and so my world just got flipped upside down and went in a whole different direction. And I haven't left it since. Well, you know, and, and, and I'm going to quickly point out that when we say you're involved with events, we're not talking about, you know, kids' birthday parties. We're talking about <laughs> events for people like Oprah Winfrey and President Obama and the Super Bowl. These are like ginormous events. I, you know, there's a part of me that, you know, I, I know how nervous I get about homecoming. How are you not terrified all the time? I think I, I think it goes back to my kicking mentality. <laughs> I, I believe I've been in those pressure situations before at a very young age. You're not uh, wrong because I, kickers, I feel sorry for kickers all the time, man. It's just, <laughs> that is a lot of pressure to put on a kid. I, but I, I embraced it as opposed to running away from it. I embraced it. I, I kept that mentality about myself and I still do. There's a lot of clients who I work with on a day to day. A lot of people I work with, coworkers who sort of believe I don't have a pulse and nothing really phases me. <laughs> um, despite what they may see on the surface, my heart is racing hundred miles an hour. I promise you that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, this world of events that we're living in now is, is taking a turn post COVID and, and had tremendous opportunities that you mentioned working with Oprah. Um, we've, I've spent time on her lovely Montecito house campus, helping produce and, uh, execute some of her, uh, Apple shows, some of the, our Apple conversations, uh, we did. We featured one with Stevie Wonder. We did one with Matthew McConaughey. 
you mentioned Obama. Obama was an intriguing one because that was a very first of its kind green screen virtual production during COVID. And um, it was amazing. If you look at some of the behind the scenes things, you could you hear Obama go, what is it? It's like we're in the same room. The, the funny part was Obama was at his house in Chicago and, and she was in Montecito and we built the green screen setup to make them look and feel like they were identical sitting in the room facing each other. So there's wow. a lot of mechanics that go behind that so that they see and act as if they're looking at each other through the lens, looking across from each other. But you can hear Obama sort of say, it's like we're in the same room. And like to a production person, you're sort of like, Aww. we checked the box, right? We're like, <laughs> oh, we did good. We did good. So Well, so exactly. Let's go back to exactly what it is you do. So, I mean, in this uh, world of big events, you're going to have like a, a million different little pieces that make that together. The people who book the things, the people who or, who direct the things, the people who do production. Tell us what it is exactly yeah. that, that, that you do. I, I oftentimes just call myself the janitor these days. I feel like I'm cleaning up, but uh, that's that's not to say that it's a bad thing. I'm, I spearhead our corporate events department. So I run, I'm director of events for Viva Creative, as well as an executive producer. So I'm tasked daily with understanding what our clients' goals are first, right? And then we drive that through creative and strategic vision, which inevitably leads into some sort of event, right? That's what we specialize in. Through that process, there's a hundred different steps. Yeah. Like, so inevitably my mind never stops working and in, in, in trying to be two steps ahead of everything else, while at the same time, the team management aspect sort of takes priority. So that mentality of cool, calm, collect, sort of plays out every day. It doesn't matter what process we're in, whether we're in pre-production process, whether we're in production, whether we're on site, whether it's post. So those things begin to sort of evolve, but my my mind never stops working. So I do a, I do a gambit of things, right? We specialize in B2B and corporate events. We have a lot of B2C and experiential. We have a lot of event marketing programs. We do a lot of this pat during COVID, we did a five-part docu-series for Norwegian Cruise Line, where we took basically cruise out and filmed the return to cruising post-COVID. We pitched an oh, idea. Yeah. They loved right. it. So so a lot of storytelling is what we specialize in, what we try to pride ourselves on mm -hmm. in an effort to bring things to life, whether it's through a live event, whether it's through a virtual production or whether it's through a video or something that we're creating that helps tell this story. I don't specialize in those things. I'm the guy that helps ensure that all the moving parts are working the way that they need to work. And then primarily are focused on what is the budget? Are we meeting the demands? Do we have the client expectations met? I'm always working one-on-one -on -one with the client and then team alignment. So it's a cross gamut of all those, but in order to execute holistically across any one of those things, I have to understand what it takes because I'm responsible for the budget and the sourcing of it and finding the right people, asking the right questions and uncovering that. So, you know, having this conversation is intriguing because you know, I go back to my days at Emory, quite frankly, and are reminded very much of sitting in that editing room with Therese, Dr. Keller and trying to film, bring a story to life for my first time because I was going to be a broadcast journalist. That's what I wanted to like inspire <laughs> to be. And, and remember trying to create stories 
where we had to literally script things and write them. She had to prove them as sort of an editor and then sitting in that, then you had to capture them and then the cutaways. And then you'd have to make that into an edit. I remember sitting there, I was like, I can't figure out this edit. It was so frustrating. And now I have such a fond appreciation for our editors who do all that. Right. So you've done it. Yeah. You've done it. Yeah. And so it's, um, it comes full circle. Like I think life does in general, but, um, but yeah, the, the, the short answer is that, you know, if, if I don't, know it. I am, I'm, I've got to go figure it out. And so I pride myself on being nimble, being flexible, always educating myself, looking through the, looking through the other side of the door to make sure that we're done team alignments, like coming back to like what football meant to me was like our teams and things like that. And if we're not aligned, we can't win that kind of stuff. So it's, it's full circle in general, but so is life a lot of times. So, well, I was just thinking that no matter what project you're in, you have to know every aspect of how, not just that, that there's a thing that has to happen here, but like, you have to know actually how that works. You have to understand, right. you have to have a working knowledge of how everything from the camera to the person who's, you know, doing food, you got to have to have a right. working knowledge of how every bit of that works. And that is, it's a broad experience, Chris. It is. A it broad is broad understanding. It is, and 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 time is a virtue, right? And patience is a virtue. Um, and I've been grateful and extremely fortunate to work with a lot of great people um, who push me in certain directions, who challenge me in certain directions. Um, I've had an opportunity to work for diverse agencies and companies all looking through the lens of how do we make an event better for twenty years, like everything years. We had this saying back in the day, it's like, you're only as good as your last event, right? And so that's sort of the mentality, no matter how good it was and what worked today will work tomorrow until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, <laughs> you got to fix it, right? And so the beautiful thing about events and working on this side of the house of it is 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 it will humble you. You are mm -hmm. never perfect one day but you can be great the next and then it breaks down and then you got to figure out how to fix it. Right. And so that's the story behind the scenes that, right. that, that information stuff that people take for granted because what you or an audience member may see as a guest experience is beautiful on screen. The stage presence is awesome. And the speaker was phenomenal. They directed in a way that I felt like they were connected with me. How do we get there? rehearsal time, scripting, we had lighting cues, we had audio cues, we had beautiful motion graphics animated on the screen. So we tell the story. And then we, you know, part of what I do thoroughly enjoy when I'm able to get into the weeds of the production aspect of it is working with speakers mm -hmm. and executive speaker coaching. Um, I think it, I think it, you know, you work with these massive CEOs for companies who have billions of dollars and run multi-billion dollar organizations. But the one time you get to sort of connect with them is when you're sitting on the stage, listening to them present during rehearsals and for an hour or 30 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever the time you get with them, you get to connect in your space. This is your stage where you feel like you have the opportunity to work with them and they are looking at you as the expert as to how the audience is looking back to them. Well, I was going to say that's that's your that's your arena. And so it you is. are the expert there. They may be an expert in their field, but this is where you're an expert and they got to listen to you to, in order for this to be just right. 
Correct. So that 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 one time, like I would never had an opportunity to meet certain CEOs. It was not in my wheelhouse. But if you, if you come on my stage, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that you we bring the best of you because I'm worried about how the audience is perceiving them. Because if right. they don't have a good experience, it's not they won't come back and then they won't do the event again. So th- it's a different mindset. And while CEOs get it, they most all ultimately you, you get it, and CMOs and they they understand it. They but they for the first time or for a lot of times, you know, are not or not given some of that constructive feedback that they may not have gotten from a team member because they maybe they were sensitive. But they for were scared me, to, they were scared to say it. Correct. So, but for me, I have no game. I have no shame. Like I I am sort of the let me help you walk through this a little bit better because right. what I'm hearing is and seeing your hands are all over you're not making contact and you're not walking to this side of the stage to get this audience side. You're just direct, very direct in your reading. Mm-hmm. Take a breath, slow down, move, have a conversation, ask a question, pause. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard. If you're, you know, and even those big dogs, you know, it's nervous. It's nerve wracking to be up there in front of people. It is. So a lot of people. To do that. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of people. So how, do you see everything changing? You know, you were talking about how the technology changes so much from like even from one event to the next. Has it, has this just been I mean, every year? Do you see something new show up? Yeah. I mean, look, COVID probably settled a lot of things, but COVID in its own time gave a lot of these companies, we're not a, we're not a gear house. So we don't own gear. We don't own any of that, but we know all of the elements to bring in the mm-hmm. show. We have partners all over the world. I mean, I've traveled, done events in Singapore and Riyadh and Rome and Barcelona. So like it's, you know, we partner with specific companies because of the value that they have in that area, which allows us flexibility to be creative. Mm-hmm. So if creative is like, we need you know, a hot air balloon or we need, you know, 7,000 drones, we don't need to ship those across country. We'll work to find partners local to help bring that to life who know the area and know that kind of stuff. So our our ideas always start with creative and what is that? What story are we trying to tell? And then we figure out how to execute it wherever we're going. So technology, yes, has evolved, but it's it's the the characteristics of an event still stay the same, right? And so while the pixel pitch on a LED board is evolving every day and they make them so they bend and they can like be waterproof. And so, which allows you the flexibility of sort of saying, look, maybe you don't need to have this in a ballroom. What if we went outside and did it on a sandy beach with waves behind you because we have the technology now to not worry about it shorting itself out or, you know, a an event where where you need things to happen differently or a different camera to get a different shot that the different lens and so that kind of back-end technology i think is always evolving like yeah. as you would probably find out by talking to some of these production houses who house that gear and they proprietize themselves on that but for us the core like central component of bringing an event together still stays intact i think if you look back 10 years ago it still stays intact which is what's creatively you're trying to solve what's the guest journey like what's that experience like and then what vision do we need to come up with and then we go figure out what technology has changed to yeah. help evolve or bring that to a I want to I want to remind everyone we're talking to Chris Epperly today, Emory and Henry class of 2002 ish, um, mm-hmm. and and also a member of the Sports Hall of Fame. But these days he is he is a production man beyond description. And I want to well, first of all, I, I got to ask for a definition. 
I was, was trying to fake my way through this, but I really don't know. Tell me what you mean when you say B2B or B2C. Yeah, so B2B is just your corporate business to business. So a lot of internal and then oh. business to consumer, B2C. So oh, that's so funny. I was convinced that what you meant was like B-list, like B-list <laughs> celebrities and how to get them to, you know, to accelerate their, their, yeah. their status. I totally went in the wrong direction on that. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's <laughs> well, so I'm going to make you tell us a little bit about a couple of your favorite events that you've gotten to be involved in. Yeah. Um, some people get giddy about meeting a celebrity or some people get giddy about like being at a certain location. Mine, mine typically is when it all comes together at the right time in the right way. Um, we had an event for Sotheby's International Realty, which was, you know, this is a luxury brand. They were relaunching themselves. This is in Vancouver um, several years ago. And in the Vancouver Convention Center, it's full glass. It's a, you know, six, you know, 100 foot wide, 40 foot wall tall sheet of glass that sort of backs out into the, or to the sea. So we typically would not back our stage up against open glass. People would say it's a bad idea. There's reflection. There's the audience can't see the screen, et cetera. So for a, quite some time, we were just turning it and going against the wall. And then we were going to skirt this side off. So the, the, so you couldn't see the glass. And instead, what if we did go against the grain here a little bit and put it against the glass which meant that we had to redesign the stage. We had to redesign the scenic, which we had to rethink what kind of LED screens that we needed. And that kind of intuition just happens instinctively. We're like, oh yeah, we got to do these 10 things to make it work, but it's doable. And then once we render it out and show the floor plan, then we come up with the idea and then we have to cleverly present that to the client who's already like, mm, I'm not sure I want to do that. Right. They loved it. The stage with the guest speakers, but behind that, you see all the active seaplanes and the beautiful mountains. And it was gorgeous. It was yeah. gorgeous. Like, so, but it took the team. We pivoted quickly and came up with an idea. And that, that kind of stuff makes me giddy, right? That's the yeah. stuff we knew we could make it work. That was right. what we understood. The second part of that story, which is a little bit um, celebrity intriguing, is our get our keynote speaker that was supposed to be there that day decided to not show. This was a political thing. We'll get into who it was. It was a political thing. Yeah. Had him in the show, had him in the run of show, had built the program around this oh. moment happening. Um, 18 hours before we had to fill the void. And so through some relationships and through some connectability we, you know, were able to find Gwyneth Paltrow and within 18 hours had her on a plane and had her in Vancouver and on the stage as a replacement to this keynote speaker. And she killed it. And that kind of mm, that's exciting. Right. That's the part of events that people don't see, but it's the mentality. It's the people around you. It's client expectations, the deliverability, that kind of execution makes me giddy, right? That's the stuff I enjoy. I feel like your spirit animal is a duck on a pond, you know, it looks be. all calm on top, but then underneath yeah. you're just, you're paddling like hell. Full circle from where we started the conversation. By <laughs> <the> duck pond. <laughs> uh, exactly. Tell me this, and I'm, I'm going to make you name drop for just a minute. Just sure. who, who are a few of the people that you've met that just really kind of made you happy to get to meet him um i mean you oprah's tough to beat right that's that one's intriguing in itself 
Um, you know, we mentioned Gwyneth, which just beautiful in character, great speaker, but was able to come in and deliver. That was the great part about her. That was intriguing. Um, I've been, look, I've been fortunate. Like you go back to the NASCAR days to Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jimmy Johnson, some of the iconic sports people and some of the musicians that we've produced concerts for, for like Fergie and Bon Jovi. Like it's just, the list is crazy. Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's been it's been intriguing, wild ride for sure. You know, then, you know, over the past five years, I mean, I've sat in a room and produced Bloomberg events where, you know, we've had 13 heads of states and Bill Clinton sitting in a room where we had to get him mic'd up and Theresa May and President Macron. And I mean, we, the list is crazy. And to, you know, when virtual hit and we had to go into this COVID world, we were doing so much virtual production. And I mean, Martin Luther King third, right? Like the inspiring in itself, right? Just meeting him and talking to him as you and I are talking in a green room saying hi, right? Like in a very, <laughs> in his room, in his house, just like you and I are, right? It's, wow. it's, 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 it's intriguing, you know, to having when, uh, so it was a celebrity that passed away. It was uh, Rob Reiner passed away. Oh, yeah. We were we were asked to host a virtual event memorial for Rob Reiner, of all wow. things. Executed it virtually, but in the green room, like Steve Martin, Martin Short, like just like just celebrity upon celebrity, and you're sort of just sitting here, like on Zoom, listening to these cast of characters talk to one another funny laughing giggling it's it's so it's it's sort of amazing i don't i don't think there's a top tier i mean and that you know as crazy as this may sound i've i've you know we've doing events in riyadh like this was speaking candidly like we were we were sort of we were helping execute the future investment initiative in riyadh which is a very saudi produced event and you know um the Saudi King Prince was on stage, right? This is two weeks after the Jacoby, uh, the, the reporter that passed away, right? So oh like, Lord. like your heart's racing at the same time. You don't understand what's going on. So yeah. like in, in those situations where, you know, you sort of just, it's still about the event and the audience. So it's it, the full gamut. I, I know I don't, I've been fortunate, like I said, to be a lot of these cool places and see a lot of cool things. I don't have a like, Oh, this was the one for me. I would miss any time, you know. This well, is that that speaks to your job that that it's also amazing, but it's hard to pick one, and that's what that's yeah. kind of fun to hear you yeah. say. Tell me this: if nineteen-year-old Chris Epperly could look at you now, what would he say? <laughs> uh, make the field goal. Make the field goal. <laughs> Don't miss. I think nineteen-year-old me would say, uh, "Stay true to yourself. Be humble." understand that life happens you have to learn how to adapt um treat every day as if it's your last have fun enjoy it embrace it don't look too far down the road but plan accordingly right i'm a I'm a planner by sort of trait but at my my life sort of evolves around that i my my wife who i met working in our uh, at my first company who is now an executive there she works in the, this crazy event production world you know the nine-year-old soon to be 10 year old who enjoy soccer and with the plan accordingly. So my 19 year old self would be just stay humble, you know, treat each other with respect, stay true to yourself and, you know, never, never forget where you came from. What a perfect, perfect bit of advice to end this conversation on. Chris Epperly, thank you so much, so much for being with us today. Chris Epperly, 
event planner extraordinaire. I mean, honest to goodness, I don't know how you do what you do, but how exciting. And thank you for sharing with us what your work is like. Class of 2002, so glad to have you with us. And I hope you're going to come back and see us soon. It was great to have you on campus last fall. Yeah, thanks, Monica. This is great. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thank you all for listening in today. We want to thank you for being with us on the Duck Pond Wall. And thank you for listening to WEHC, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you.